Morning all, Fender Cast 118, live from uh, the team car. Maybe we should change the name of this podcast and call it Inside the Team Car. What does everyone think about that? Um, that's got, got legs, hasn't it? Um, loads has happened since we last spoke. Um, as always, the, the world of uh, cycling moves quite rapidly. First up, we have a new name for Team Sky, Team Ineos. Um, uh, a man who has been unceremoniously judged by the press as the fracking millionaire, um, Jim Radcliffe, has taken over the team. It's a bit sooner than many felt. Sky were apparently happy to keep hold of the team till the end of this year, and maybe, even though they didn't want the naming rights, they would have honoured some of the contracts for next year, but it appears that that's no longer necessary. Ineos are now taking over from the start of the Tour de Yorkshire in May. Um, the Tour de Yorkshire race much maligned on this podcast over the uh, over the years, but now now we kind of like it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, a controversial, but then whatever whatever um, whichever company was going to take over the sponsorship of Sky would have been controversial. The budget um, that they have meant that there's not that many businesses that could have taken it on. Any business that w- would take it on that's of a size needed would have some sort of um, uh, anti-capitalist or some form of lobbying or some form of, uh, of, uh, of negative feeling about them. And of course, Ineos are no different. Um, considering they're owned by Britain's richest man and one of the top 10 men in the world, I know very little, if not nothing, uh, about them or where they originated from or how they came into being. But, you know, I suppose the positives from all of this are that um, there is a British Pro Tour cycling team. There's been a lot of debate on other podcasts about um, whether Ineos will be good for um, grassroots level because, of course, you know, under Sky's Watch, we've seen the likes of One Pro cycling we've seen like jlt we've seen teams emerge and of course jlt has been around a lot longer but we've seen teams emerge and disappear so it's kind of like almost a very much a top-down pyramid in terms of british cycling and you know we've covered the domestic scene a couple of times on this show and what's working and what's not working and what needs a refresh and you know does does the tour series need a reboot all of that has kind of come to the table and I don't know really we need to have we need to have a good think and uh, and a good conversation about what happens next not just for this team because at some point the if if the level underneath isn't isn't right and the racing underneath isn't strong enough it's going to be hard for you know the next Owen Duel or the next John Dibbon or whoever to come through so we will we'll keep an eye on that <laughs> safe to say of course that it's it's, it's controversial uh, Ineos's links to um, controversial energy extraction fracking uh, doesn't make them particularly popular and of course a lot of people are focusing on the fact that Ineos are a major producer of single-use plastic when of course Sky spent the whole of last summer riding around France with um, uh, Ocean Rescue um, and a whale on their kit. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether they try and do something to, to offset that. Um, we shall see. So that's probably been the biggest off-the-bike news. Everyone has had an opinion on that. 
quite often Jonathan Vorters from Cannondale, yeah, Cannondale has, has popped up and Patrick Lefebvre has had his say. Um, I suppose from, from, uh, from this podcast's perspective, um, it's good that there is still going to be a British Pro Tour cycling team. Um, I don't think we can go beyond that, really. Um, it's good news, so you know, let 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 battle commence. I just hope that maybe um, the new owner of the team or the new sponsor of the team feels that there's another direction to go and doesn't feel that there's massive benefit in just boring everyone into submission at the Tour de France and maybe says, right, let's try and reinvent ourselves as a classics team, and you know, we'll see how that see how that manifests. Um, so yeah, in terms of racing, there's been plenty um, since we last spoke. We've had Paris Nice and uh, Tirreno Adriatico, both of which uh, were thoroughly entertaining races. Tirreno coming down to the last second of the last day time trial uh, between uh, Adam Yates and Primoz Roglic. Before that, the race actually started with uh, an, a, a terrible crash in the team time trial when a pedestrian who to me it looked like he might have been just tapping away on a smartphone wandered onto the course very modern accident to have wasn't it and Bora got taken out um, Peter Sagan was apparently reportedly ill before that but didn't really uh, appear to be a factor in the race so whether he's saving himself for Milan San Remo or whether he is looking further down the line based on the fact that he reckons he's going to keep riding classics till we get to uh, Liège in about a month or so's time month's time um so we shall see how he goes at the weekend. Um, there were some pretty entertaining stages. Tirreno always has a bit better weather and always seems to uh, seems to find a, a steep climb through a, a, a hilltop town in, in Italy across uh, across the coast there. Um, there was even a bit of cobbles, um, a little bit of rain. The Yezi finish was, was, was such. Um, and speaking of that finish uh, in Yezi, there was a bunch sprint, which was won by... Um, Hilly Classic specialist Julian Alaphilippe. Um, Elia Viviani wasn't quite in the right position. The sprinters all went for it. I think it was um, who was actually he was up against. I was going to say Arno Demar, but it wasn't. But um, he uh, he managed to out muscle and out sprint all of them. Whether this was a dress rehearsal for uh, Milan San Remo, whether it was just an opportunist um, strike, but it'll be interesting to see how. Uh, how um, Alaphilippe develops as this new uh, small bunch sprinter Um, but he won his stage uh, in the race and there were plenty of other um, good stage wins good opportunist finishes and uh, I think everyone will be talking about uh, uh, Alexandra Lutsenko of Astana he broke away quite some distance on a hilly circuit on the first time down up this steep climb he managed to hold his uh, his lead about 45 seconds despite the gradient on the first de- descent he misjudged the left uh, it wasn't quite a hairpin and he ended up off the road and on like into a bank of uh, mud or whatever at the side of the road which he managed to like push himself back off as he ground to a halt get going again um second lap up the climb he managed to just about hold on to his advantage maybe shipped a few seconds on the way down he was particularly careful at that hairpin but literally when he got off the bottom of the climb with about a k to go and about 10 seconds lead over a chasing group he uh, he managed to fall off often on an intersection 
um, one of those crashes where he was going uh, left and his back wheel just stepped out that little bit too far for him to bring it back and he was down and then somehow he got up um, was joined the chasing group that had now overhauled him and then won the sprint the four up sprint so um, puts me in mind of the Ilio Kaiser win in the Tour of Turkey a few years ago when that was an early season race and he managed to fall off ship his chain get back on and, and still win so epic um, images epic action and, uh, and a really good race and uh, equaled by Paris Nice which um, last year was the, the early um, stages up in the north of France were dominated by freezing cold weather and you know riders in layer upon layer it wasn't quite that cold this year in terms of actual temperature but when you factor in the fact that it was blowing a gale and a hooli most days um it's ripped the race apart on the early stages stages one two and three where you've got flattish boring looking stages on paper but gc contenders three six nine minutes behind as a result and fabio aru didn't last very long at all um in terms of like the sprinters kittle and cavendish were uh, off home fairly quickly um and then you had mark Soler, the defending champion shipping minute upon minute and so as they gradually as they got down into france in the to the hillier parts of the course um the wind dropped a bit but they were still well spread out because of the um because of the, the terrain the terrain the topography uh, the last stage was its usual entertaining self this year it was Nairo Quintana who went long um, 30 plus miles 50 odd kilometers to go um, he did near enough get a minute um, Kwiatowski uh, seeded the yellow jersey the day before um, to Egan Bernal and um, he was then kind of like the worker bee and uh, Sky just about with Gagan Hart as well riding they managed to just about keep themselves the right side of losing the jersey to Quintana and then in the final kilometres into Nice they managed to close that down the Quintana group lost a little bit of its of its impetus when Yoni Zagire got off the front because I think the other riders who were riding with Quintana for the stage had seen that Izagire had gone so they almost like probably thought well there's no real point in us riding anymore let if Nairo wants to win the race let him let him ride so again another fascinating insight into the <laughs> into how the start of the, the season is developing we've seen a lot more aggressive Quintana we've seen Movistar again tactically astute they had four riders in the breakaway in Paris-Nice on the last day to try and help Quintana and use as a stepping stone um, but Sky soon to be Ineos had little trouble in the end in in getting getting it all back to near enough all back together they didn't quite catch the Quintana group but they were close enough that it didn't really matter and the the overall wasn't in in any sort of danger um <clears throat> the only other big kind of race action that that we've had um especially that's been kind of televised and in scrutinized in some detail was um the Flemish classic knocker Corsa on a Wednesday um part of a double header there's a racing Kirksider today a classic um, this one is generally not I don't usually find it as exciting as um, Le Salmon in terms of these midweek semi-classics um, this year is slightly different in, in so far as 
the organisers appears kind of tried to change the course to break it up. Basically, there's like a really pretty town with a cobbled climb up it through it and that is where the the race finishes it's small local laps towards the end with three or four sections of cobbles a couple of climbs um for whatever reason this year didn't break it up in the past we've had kind of like smaller 30 40 strong groups sprinting for the finish this year it was a much bigger group probably north of 100 um the commentators on eurosport were kind of speculating as to whether that's because it was kind of like unseasonably warm rather than the usual Belgian uh, sleet and freezing cold um, and the fact that the the crosswinds that had blown all the way through Paris-Nice in the early stages in the north of France had died down and there wasn't that much wind in Belgium to, um, to kind of break it up. The only rider that was trying to break it up really towards the end consistently was Matthew van der Poel, um, the world cyclocross champion um, who was looking to start his Spring Classics campaign or a tilt at the Spring Classics by um, uh, riding some of these semi-classics to get, get his legs. Um, and he was driving it on a bit. Um, maybe he was working for himself. Maybe he was working for Stein de Volder, a double Flanders winner who's in his team. What, what was interesting was that the last 10 or 15 k's everyone seemed to accept it was going to be a bunch sprint there was one lone italian rider who zoomed off the front on the cobbles and then zoomed off the side of the road and crashed um whilst leading the race um you don't often see that do you like a proper apart from Lutsenko the other day um so he was gone and the race pace seemed to slow down um but as they came into the finish literally as they got off the tarmac onto the cobbles um there was the Sunweb rider who looked like he'd shipped his chain and suddenly slowed down dramatically. A CCC rider hit him. In turn, that catapulted him into Matthew van der Poel, who went down really heavy. He got run over after a couple of somersaults by another CSC rider. There was a Tartaletto Isorex rider on the other side of the road who was ragdolled through the air. If it puts you in mind of the crash that Cavendish had in uh, San Remo last year, that sort of ragdoll flying through the air type of, uh, of, of, of ride or type of crash um, and that was it really it, it, it sort of everything went kind of quiet um, somewhere finally got their win um, but it was kind of all overshadowed by this pretty devastating looking crash um, Corindon Circus have said that Van der Poel's not broken anything I'd be it'd be interesting to see how he recovers he'll be stiff and sore probably even still today um but we wish him well. We wish the um, uh, Florian Jertz was the uh, Tartaletto rider. We wish him well as well and hope that, that he's not that seriously injured because it looked. sometimes you look at them and they look like proper bad ones. Um, the Lutsenko ones, for example, they didn't look like bad crashes. They just looked like, oh, that would be sore. There'll be a bit of road rash. These, you thought bones had been broken for sure. And, and so, yeah, interesting. An interesting end to what had not been a spectacular bike race to be fair um so now we can start to look forward a couple of things that that uh, big races that are happening uh milan san remo uh this weekend uh the opening monument of the season nibbly the defending champion wasn't particularly um uh, i suppose i'm trying to think of the right word it was visible in terreno adriatico but it was visible and visibly clear that he was working as hard as he could um for 
teammates as opposed to you know trying to win the race himself. You know, he rode fantastically well um, in terms of driving the bunch on and things like that. So he could still be a factor. I think Alaphilippe will definitely be fairly well marked. He's obviously going really well. He's obviously had a warm-up by winning a bunch sprint in Terreno or a smaller bunch sprint in Terreno Adriatico. Plus, he's got Philippe Gilbert, who is you know, likely to be off the front in a breakaway at some point in Milan San Remo, I would say it's fair to say. And he's tough and hardened and, you know, the distance might not be as much of a factor for him um, as it may be for some other riders. So, um, interesting to see how that pans out. In terms of other favourites, you're looking then at the sort of, the sprinters maybe that will be in there, Caleb Ewan, um, Damar, former winner, um, Colbrelli, um, Gaviria, those sort of names. Um, but it's that sort of race with that climb so late on that could be won by a climber, it could be won by a sprinter, it could be won by, you know, Greg Van Avermaet with an, an attack, you know, in the last five kilometres. It could be any of those. So whilst it's tough going, some of the, you know, if the, the TV coverage starts with 100 k's to go, you've got probably 60, 70 k's of hard, of hard going as a TV spectator. But, um, you know, taking the scenery, taking the lovely beaches taking the you know the lovely coastal roads and and the couple of climbs inland steep climbs and and maybe enjoy the maybe enjoy the uh, ambiance for the for the first hour or so of the tv coverage and then you'll probably you know be be right in the uh, in the mo- right moment for the action to uh, to take place um so yeah i don't know who should we predict to win i think probably going on current form unless he's completely marked out of the race i think alaphilippe could be uh, another French winner. Um, we've had a not had that many, um, but he could well be the the latest in that you know small chain of, of winners. Or it could be it could be anyone. Um, it won't necessarily be Mark Cavendish. By the looks of things, he's not riding. He's struggled in Paris Nice. He's it's almost you know he's he's working hard. I think to try and get some level of fitness, form, consistency, all of those things back. So, you know, good luck Good luck to him with that. You can't have the amount of time he's had out and hit the ground running, especially not when you're a rider that's, that's you know, kind of north of, of, of 30 years of age. So we shall see how his season develops. The next uh, second big race is another of these week-long stage races, exciting week-long stage races, um, the Tour of Catalonia, um, a race that we always love on this show, seeing as we've ridden quite a few of... Uh, the climbs and bits of the course and stuff down the years so um, looking forward to that one um, starting in San Falou where um, a, a, a ride on my stag do started um, interestingly rode along the coast for uh, for beer and then coffee rather uh, and then rode back again a lovely coastal road um, to Tossa del Mar with cliffs and uh, the sea and steep little climbs and little villages it's just an absolutely fantastic stretch of road to ride a bike um, used in the Tour de France uh, in 2008 when the Tour de France went to Catalonia um, and David Miller did that long breakaway towards Barcelona and didn't ended up getting caught um, on the finishing part of the course so lovely roads um, so well worth a watch I think Again, it's another race where sometimes the weather can be a factor. Um, so let's uh, let's enjoy that one. And uh, Valverde, uh, Chris Froome, 
So we've got some we've got some contenders starting to worm their way into whether it's the classic season, um, so like the Ardennes for Valverde, or even the tour season for Chris Froome. Um, we shall see how they go. Uh, so that's it for this week's uh, that's it for this week's pod. Uh, thank you very much, as always, for your time and for your uh, shares and for listening. And we will be right back as uh, as soon as we've got enough to talk about, really. We're just going to keep building up the pod and, and chat when we can. So thank you very much.